Welcome to the Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we're going to do our best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we're talking about Ryan Murphy's revisionist Tinseltown fantasy, Hollywood, which we had diverging opinions on. You fucking slime, and that ain't news. Actual dialogue. All right. As always, uh, a plea to rate and review us on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice that lets you do such things. Um, if you've been listening to us, if we've been entertaining you throughout this insanity apocalypse, just let us know. That'd be nice. Just you don't even have to say you liked it. Just be like, I listened. That's <laughs> um, it. That's all you got to say with five stars. The yeah, five, five stars, stars will take. Yeah. 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 What did you do in pop culture this week, Vanny? Okay, the first thing that I did, I know we both did, so we can probably like rail against it together. But uh, Amazon has put up their South by Southwest uh, free thing. I'm going to take off my dog's collar, so (laughs) bear with me just a moment. Anyway, and one of the things that stood out was a show for Shudder called Cursed. And it was supposed to be about uh, horror movies that had supposedly been cursed. They only showed you the first episode, which was about uh, Poltergeist and The Omen. Now, again, The Omen is a special film because it does star my soulmate, Gregory Peck. And uh, this was not a good show. (laughs) I did forget that I had watched it, in fact. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of figured because since it wasn't on your list, um, yeah, not not a good show and included uh, black witches in scare quotes and the people that they interviewed for the show. And the, at the end of, I think, the Omen one, they show one of the black witches um, cursing some current film. And that seemed <laughs> a little inappropriate to me. <laughs> And it was just short of them being like, catch my next special on YouTube.com, yeah. Black Magic Dude. No, um, it was, yeah, these people, like, these are the people that want to be Chris Angel, and nobody should want to be Chris Angel. <laughs> so I don't recommend Cursed by South by Southwest. I actually haven't found anything yet that I watched through that feed that I watched for more than like 10 minutes, except for Cursed. I'm hoping at some point there will be something that stands out, but so far, not a good crop. Um, Parker and I did uh, much more work on October Faction, which you can catch back in a winter show. I know it was winter because we all watched it in Tahoe together. Um, and we did, I think, seven episodes now of October Faction. This is still a really fun show on Netflix. Uh, J.C. McKenzie, I can't think of the rest of the cast right now, Uh basically the flipped Buffy where the parents are the demon slayers trying to keep it from the kids. And that gets a little deeper as we go along and I'm really enjoying this. So it is good to be in quarantine and go back to this show. It is worth going back to. Now have the, have the whole, has the whole series aired? It's all on Netflix. Yes. Right? It's all it's on like, Netflix. Yeah. Um, it's How a many lot episodes of episodes. Are there uh, I, 12? I think we've done seven and we still have a bit to go. Okay. So, I'd go back to that. That I, I enjoyed that show. Really fun. And then um, 
We were searching. We, we've been trying to stay up late so we don't wake up at three o'clock in the morning because six o'clock seems like a good time to go to bed because quarantine. Um, so we've just been, and I have made a personal vow that I need to stop watching the women screaming at each other, which is what I call the housewives for hours and hours a day. I only allow myself to watch them in the kitchen when I'm cooking or when I'm cleaning. And so we were. Now, are these rewatches of Housewives? Or yes. You, okay. And that's the problem. And that's why I have to not do this. I can okay. watch current episodes. That's fine. I don't, I, I won't judge myself for current episodes. And there have been some doozies. Somebody said, there's a vibrator in the chicken. <laughs> Just saying. Best episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey, of New York ever. And also on New, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Denise Richards' husband is a kook. Okay, he's a fucking kook who thinks that cancer's going to save us all and that he's in reinventing the atom for NASA. Okay. Yeah, okay. So new episodes are okay, but no, the rerun's not good. So I've been trying very hard to stay away from just sitting there for hours watching people scream at each other. That I've already watched. So we were searching for something to watch to stay up past 6 o'clock, and, we ended, and uh, I realized that I had never seen the Coen brothers version of true true grit uh with uh Haley stanfield and matt damon and yeah, <laughs> domino gleason totally forgot he was in that i forgot either yes. of them were in that uh domino gleason he has a small role but we were going with you know we we try and do the jump from one actor or one thing to another in our projects so we had just watched run so we went with domino to uh true grit and uh also jeff bridges and Haley stanfield um this is a good movie. I know I'm not, I know it was nominated for Academy Awards and I'm not, you know, telling anyone something they don't know, but it was actually really good, super touching. And in the uh, soundtrack, in all of the, almost, you almost can't recognize it. There is a, there's a hymn that plays and I'm like, that is leaning on the everlasting love arms. I just know it is, even though it's slightly fractured until the end where they sing the hymn. And I went, okay, that's it. We're turning on. Because the only reason I love Leaning on the Everlasting Arms is because of the scene in Night of the Hunter where both Lillian Gish and uh, Robert Mitchum sing it overlapping. And it's the eeriest shit you've ever seen. So I turned on Night of the Hunter because Parker had never seen it. I've, I have seen that movie probably 625 times. It's still so amazing and so good and when the the when the boy looks at the camera when he hears Robert Mitchum coming for them when they're going down the the river and he says don't he never sleep <laughs> and i have felt like that you know don't he never sleep does it never stop <laughs> I've, i the thing i always remember mm. about that movie is it feels like it created modern movie editing like yes. indie film horror movie editing, it feels so modern. You know, like when you watch old movies and you absolutely can tell, like, oh, this is edited like an old movie. Like all the no. scares are telegraphed, and that movie just gets in the heads of people in the absolutely. editing and the film work. That's absolutely that's what's so amazing about it. I love it. And for the current pandemic world, I liked it when Lillian Gish looked at the camera and said, "It's a cruel world for little things." And I feel like awesome line, man, that says a lot, you know, yeah. <laughs> it really is. It's a cruel world for little things. And, uh, it's a movie that it, it, 
it lets itself be a small movie that's scary because of the performances, because of the idea of it, which led us to watching the hunt, uh, the haunting. Nice. Parker had never seen it as what? we've talked on. We've talked yeah. about this movie many times on this podcast, but such a great one. We turned it on also allows you to be afraid in your own mind. How Parker did that work with Parker? Oh my God. He looked at me several times and he said, mom, why is this movie scary? Yeah, it's there, so it's scary. scary. Why am I terrified? Yeah. And you're scary terrified because that is just a, the source material is unbelievably good. And B, it captures the feeling of the source material. That is this happening inside my head? And if so, what does that say about me? And if not, what does that say about the world I'm living in? And wow, what a great movie. I, I've seen that probably twice as many times as I've seen Night of the Hunter. And it scares me every single time. Okay, moving on to stuff not as good. <laughs> I watched Hellboy on HBO because it was free. So why not? That's a thing we watched moving on. It's not good. Don't watch it. This is the the new version with yes. uh, our buddy, right? With David Harbour, I, yeah. who I love. Still terrible. I mean, if you're in quarantine, you have nothing else to do and it's free, fine. It's not good. Uh, Billions is back season five. Corey Stoll is here. I love you, Corey Stoll. This is still a show that wants to be Succession, that thinks it's as good as Succession, that is not as good as su- Succession. But it does know that it has Asia Kate Dillon and that they are very talented and it was very smart in poising Asia Kate Dillon to be the main character and to be the one that... that oh, really? They're the, the main character? Cool. Uh, they, I mean, that. they've always been a main character, but now they are the main plot device. Okay. So both teams need Asia Kate Dillon's character, uh, Taylor Mason, in order to... They're, 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 she's they're trying to play um, everybody against each other in this season. Uh, Okay. So could be a good season. I'm excited. I do not understand why anyone believes that Axe's accent is any good at all. It's not good. And they have him shave at one point and his mouth is so pinched that, it's terrifying (laughs) anyway maggie siff asia kate dillon Corey stoll i'm here for you paul giamonte you freaked me out um i watched half of white boy wit rick on hulu oh the movie that tortured me in movie previews for a good six months it was yeah don't watch this movie it's not good and it doesn't make sense and it's edited weird and i I mean i've been drinking more in quarantine but it it wasn't me it doesn't make sense don't watch it (laughs) Uh, we watched Clue on Amazon because Parker had never seen it. And I had always thought, maybe I don't get it. It's fine. It's funny. There were more jokes per minute than I remembered. And some of them were super funny. I forgot that I'm going to go home and make love to my wife was from Clue. Um, I have no memory of this movie. And I feel like I've tried to watch it a couple times. And I just like kind of space out and stop watching it every time. There's like a generation right below us that loves this movie. It's free on Amazon. I remember going to see it in the theaters. I enjoyed watching it with Parker, but again, it continued to fall out of my head. So I watched it happen. We watched Wheat and Tears on Amazon, which is about the uh, doomsday cult that believed the world was ending in 2011. And so they spent all their money. Suckers. Yeah, it didn't happen. It was actually a little sad. (laughs) 
actually a little sad, but also, oh my God, what the fuck is the matter with you? Uh, then we watched Art and Craft on Amazon, which is about Mark Landis, who was a forger. Well, he wasn't, I mean, he was a forger, but he didn't profit from it. Instead, he made endowments to all kinds of um, museums, pretending that somebody had died just so he could get some attention and get his forged artwork into galleries. And he did this for like 30 years. Finally, this one guy figured it out and got really mad that he was still getting caught. This is fascinating. And it's really interesting because, I mean, my point of view was he didn't do anything wrong. And why didn't you look at the art more closely, you idiots? And now you're just mad at him because you got duped. And I think, Find what he, even though he may not have been saying it on purpose, what he is saying about art and how we value particularly things like Picasso's so highly. And yet he could just make them and give them to you. And in the world that we live in, what that says about what we put value on to be fascinating. And he's just a super character. So Art and Craft on Amazon. Sounds fun. Very recommend it. Watched Malevolent on Netflix with uh, Florence uh, Pugh. What's it's a this? ghost story? It's dumb. It it is the reason we ended up watching the hunted uh, the uh, the haunting because there's a scene with a car that is ripped directly from the haunting. It fell out of my head. It's fine. Have I seen this? Is it like a straight to Netflix kind of thing? I don't know. Florence Pugh is part of. Uh, group of college students who pretend to be ghost hunters so they can make money off unsuspecting people. They go to the wrong house from mm. a woman who says she's being haunted by her old foster children. Those foster children had very, very sad lives and she is being haunted. Cue hijinks. I may have seen this. It's fine. Yeah. She, she sewed their mouths shut and then yeah. she sews it. Yeah. It's, it's nothing great. I'm glad I didn't see it in the theaters, whatever. And then last night we did a viewing of The Lighthouse because our 99 cent rental at Amazon, you can now see it on Amazon Prime, but 28 days ago you couldn't. And I paid 99 cents to rent it. And I am dying to know your thoughts on The Lighthouse. (laughs) After I've now read three or four articles about what the fuck I saw and I was not that drunk. I was tipsy, but I was not and we sat around for a good 45 minutes trying to figure out what happened and like floating theories and again this guy's movies look beautiful same director as the witch for anybody yeah yeah david eggers and i i can't say i didn't like it i think i liked it more once i read the articles that told me what and all the articles said this could be what it was about yeah, I mean, I do you need to send me those articles because I don't even really know what it was about. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't. I liked it. I think that's. I think the performances were great. I have no idea what happened. It is definitely one of those movies that, even though I didn't know what it was about and what it was working on, it is just burned in my brain, and I don't think it'll go anywhere soon for you. It's very no, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's sort of like just again, sort of madness and. 
um, you know, rattling around in your own brain. I think it's very effective at that. It's the, is this um, happening in your own head? Yeah. Theme then, for the week, which. And, and then some homoeroticism thrown in for some reason, which I did, could not connect any of that. Which I'll give Dumbledore the last word on that. <laughs> One of the best lines in the entire series of Harry Potter is when Harry asks Dumbledore, is this happening in my own head? And Dumbledore says, of course it's happening in your own head, but why on earth should that mean it's not real? That's a great line. I love that. I just, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do in pop culture? Um, you know, I'm probably forgetting stuff. I'm sure I am. I feel like. Cause you don't take week. notes. I know. And I actually, this week when I started watching into the night, which is the first thing I watched, I decided to take some notes and remind myself that I watched it, almost forgot about it tonight. And then remembered that I had reminded myself to take notes, but I didn't take any other notes. So that's all I had. Um, into the night is a Belgian, uh, I think eight part, seven part series on Netflix. It is very much not for Fanny. It is about uh, some plain trauma. So um, avoid that if you can. It, but it is basically also a, a pot, you know, an apocalypse movie where basically uh, a bunch of people on a plane, this is, you know, this gets revealed in the first 30 minutes of the episode, so I don't feel too bad. But basically, they are running away from the sun, which has become kind of toxic and is killing everybody instantly the minute the sun hits, you know, a certain part of the earth. So on this plane, this ragtag group of people from all over the world uh, basically has to band together and fly west uh, into the night, as they say, um, away from the sun. And it becomes basically them trying to, you know, land at places and, you know, refuel and get food. And then meanwhile, there's, of course, baddies that know what's happening and get on the plane and they've got to figure out what to do about that. It is ridiculous. Um, it is, you know, if this were like a CBS show, which it very well could be, um, it would just be total hot garbage and I wouldn't even be wasting two breaths on it because it's fucking European and they sort of know how to do this stuff just better, like their version of a CBS series. Uh, it's kind of wonderful and watchable and scratches a little of that same kind of lost mystery itch. Um, the characters are really well drawn. The sort of various things, there's like, you know, there's a Turkish guy who everybody's being like a racist about. There's a, you know, Instagram starlet who sort of seems vain, but there's more to her than you think. I mean, it's all complete cliches, but of course they just sort of do it a little better. And somehow the cliches just feel kind of, I don't know, just sort of like, okay, we're doing these cliches. You got that. Who cares? Let's move on. Um, I, I found this highly enjoyable. It's apparently based on a Polish novel, um, which gets really weird and has robots and AI and is a full-on apocalypse thing. There's, you know, thanks. I think already a second season of this kind of planned. I do not know what they're going to do with it. Um, I don't know. I have a feeling it's going to be one of those. I, I find this a lot with a lot of these ne European Netflix shows where it starts great. I love it. I watch a season of it. And then the second season, I'm just like kind of out that happened with the show about the zombies and the show about the toxic rain. And there's just like, that seems to be a hallmark of those European shows, but it's a fun, you know, just silly. It reminds me a lot of like the Michael Crichton kind of novels of the, the 80s and 90s. This is sort of fun, silly trash that's actually pretty well done. Um, 
I also watched Midnight Gospel. Night seems to be a theme this week for me. Um, I watched the end of it. I talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, it is from um, Pendleton Ward and uh, the comedian Duncan Trussell, who has his own podcast, and he's basically had uh, a Pendleton Ward animate this. Pendleton Ward's from Adventure Time, and he basically animates uh, these conversations. But there's also this sort of... St- subplot that's happening kind of during each episode of this podcast where basically this character Clancy travels to a new planet finds the person that he interviews but then every episode is essentially an apocalypse happening on that planet around them while the the podcast is happening (laughs) if that makes any sense I don't know if I described that well Uh, but it is when it begins it is hyper violent hyper gory. I think I talked about this last week. Drew Pinsky is on there as like a, you know, person talking about hallucinogenic drugs as therapy. And meanwhile, there's a zombie apocalypse happening. There's an amazing episode later on where he goes into a prison. uh, And the the host, the the guest on his podcast is this guy who's like a prison reform person. And he keeps dying as he tries to get out of the space prison. And it's sort of this, you know, Kafkaesque sort of, you know, nightmare situation. And, it just keeps building, and finally it gets to the last couple episodes. Uh, spoilers from Midnight Gospel. It's not the kind of show you're really going to care about spoilers, but it really deals with uh, Duncan Trussell's own experience with his parents' death. Um, and it becomes really philosophical and really sort of questioning, like, why he's so afraid of death and why he's drawn to hyper-violent fiction and pop culture And it ties everything together in a way that I found so weirdly, deeply moving that I ended up bursting into tears watching this ridiculous, like, animated, sci-fi, silly, hyper-violent show. Um, He Just the thing that he does at the end of this show, it's a spoiler, but he ends up interviewing his own mother who – uh, basically died of breast cancer and he interviewed her probably like three months before she died and talked to her about her feelings about death. And she's obviously, I don't know if she's a therapist or something, but she's clearly really smart and has really thought a lot about death and is sort of comforting her son about her own death. Um, but also... Yeah, nope, can't take that right now. Yeah, it's really fucking intense and I loved it and depending on how this year ends... Uh, Right now, it feels like kind of top of my list because I don't. Okay, that's four things you have on your list now. I'm I keeping know. track. Please do. There's <laughs> weirdly been some great stuff during all of this um, and not stuff that I would normally be drawn to, I think. Um, on a completely opposite note, I tried to watch the Parks and Rec reunion episode, which was all done on Zoom. I really did not like this. I do not want to watch um, stars and celebrities being just like us trapped in, uh, quarantine and talking on zoom. I do it all day for my job that I fortunately still have, but I do not want to be reminded of how stars are just like us. Um, I want to see the fantasy. (laughs) I want to see the makeup. I want to see the cuts. I don't want to be trapped with, uh, sitcom characters. I did not like this concept. Please don't do any more of these. Uh, that is my curmudgeon fest on the Parks and Rec reunion, which apparently everybody else loved, and I am a terrible person. Well, I'm glad to know the curmudgeon's here for yes. later on. Yes. Great. Great. Good to know. Uh, I watched uh, – watched. I read um, – I finished Necromancer, the, the book in the Nicholas Flamel series. I'm on to The Warlock. Um, I have two more books to go. This series, I, I have nothing new to say every week. It is just 
the most empty calories ever. It will not end on my year end list, even though it's like, you know, whatever, eight years old. It is just complete fluff, but it is getting getting me through things. Definitely getting me to bed at night. Um, and finally, I wanted to play a song. It is by the artist Asaf Avedon, who I hope I'm saying that right, is an Israeli artist uh, with a beautiful androgynous voice. The first time I heard uh, Asaf, I figured it was a woman and it is not. Um, I mean, he identifies as male. Um, but this song is called Earth Odyssey. It's a new album that I think is coming out sometime this year. I think it was delayed from, uh, you know, COVID coronavirus. Uh, but let's take a listen. It's really good. Okay, that was Earth Odyssey by Asaf Avedon um, from a forthcoming album. Just I love his voice. It's very sort of Bowie-ish and glammy and um, just kind of, you know, take me to another planet, which seems to be my theme this week. Uh, all right. Speaking of other planets, <laughs> let's go to Hollywood. Let's do it. Okay, so Ryan Murphy teams up with uh, Glee co-creator Ian Brennan for a revisionist fantasy. Fantasy? about a, the golden age of Hollywood. It asks the question, it's a very important question, what if people of color, queer people, and women had benefited from the same advantage? Advantages in life as, you know, straight, white, male power players that ran the industry? Maybe? maybe? Just what if that happened? What if we stood up? What if we spoke truth to power? Just saying. I'm getting some information here for Justin before he becomes a curmudgeon. <laughs> it's got a super impressive cast. It's got uh, Patty Lapone, Darren Chris, Jim's Par- Jim Parsons, Samara Weaving, who, Justin, Samara Weaving. Uh, Holland- not Anne Hathaway. <laughs> D- Dylan McDermott, that's not Dermot Milrooney. Uh, Queen Latifah, Joe Montella, Rob Reiner, and Mira Servino to just start the list. What'd you think, Justin? Okay, so I'm going to start by saying nice things because oh, good. Not that much of a commotion. Many of those people that you mentioned give quite fun performances in this show. Uh, especially, I want to say, uh, Jim Parsons. The fun it, is the point. I, I feel like he knows exactly what show he is in. He is providing some, um, you know, friction within it. Um, he's leaning into his ridiculousness. He does a crazy dance of the Seven Veils. At one Meryl point. Streep loved it, and he choreographed it himself. He 
is basically just playing like Sheldon gone bad. Um, but it is really funny and made me laugh many, many times, including uh, the line that we said at the top of the episode. There are tons of lines like that throughout the show. Actually, no, somebody says that to him, but he has some yeah. doozies throughout the show too. Um, and I liked uh, Patty Lapone. I really liked Holland Taylor. I thought Queen Latifah was great in her bit role as, as Hattie McDaniel. Joe Mantello is always good, theater actor from New York, who I've always liked, and he really stood out to me. He was um, Dick, right? He was the producer that was closeted. Yeah, Dick. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my first problem with this show. Anybody else not listed here? I did not know who they are. And I will not remember them from this minute forward. I think all these sort of like the people playing Rock Hudson, uh, the woman playing Jim Pickling, Meg, the sort of like player guy. The, the Her name wasn't actually Meg, but the character. Yeah, that she was playing the character Meg. Peg. No, whatever. Meg was no. Right. That was the character that the character was playing. Right. Egg yes. was the movie. Yes, she, that's what I meant. Yeah. It was Camille Parsons. Yeah, I found the, the cast of young hopefuls in this who were supposed to root for completely forgettable. Um, I just constantly kept asking myself, are we supposed to think they're good actors? <laughs> like, I don't understand this show's idea of what sort of good acting is. And maybe that's just sort of a Ryan Murphy thing. Um, I just constantly... Those scenes were supposed to provide the tension of like auditions and, you know, first shots and whatever. And it just was like, I don't care about any of these people because I don't really believe that any of them are good at their craft. That was my basic, super fundamental problem with the show. I also found it kind of boring. I just feel like this Hollywood world has been so, so like played over and over again. And I know that they were doing a revisionist fantasy. I know what they were trying to do. Go intersectionality. Yay, it works when we all work together. So work it. You're worth it. Um, I just, wow. I found <laughs> pose. <Yes. laughs> I found pose to be, you know, working in a similar lane, but pose is so firmly rooted in, um, you know, people of color and oppressed people and queer people like sort of almost exclusively that it, and it has its own revisionist touches, but it is also, you know, telling a story that is not known to most people. This story is obviously a sort of made up idea of what could have happened. And I get the idea that small choices can have ripples. I get everything it was trying to do. I just found it all very like Murphy at, at his worst, which for me is like either be smarter or be dumber. <laughs> like, um, that's what I thought of Hollywood. I didn't hate it. I actually found the last episode kind of moving and I liked it. It just was a long slog to get there. That's all I okay. got. Murphy at his worst is American horror story. The second season, which <laughs> includes fucking aliens. Is <laughs> the circus one where they cut people's legs off is, I have completely lost the plot, so you're wrong about that. <laughs> I didn't also, know it could get so bad. <laughs> also, you're wrong about everything, and my son tells me that I'm wrong. It was Camille Washington, not Camille Parsons. Thank you, Parker, upstairs, who can hear me yelling into the <laughs> microphone. I do love you, kid. Uh, <laughs> Parker, don't hate me for my thoughts on this show. No, he won't. It's fine. <laughs> Just because you're watching it wrong. Because the way you should watch it is as... 
people trapped in a house who need a little bit of joy and who need to think, what if we had been brave from the very beginning? Um, <laughs> Parker says, uh, you are wrong <laughs> for what you think. <laughs> that is the text message that just came in. You nice. are wrong. Nice. Um, anyway, the way you should watch this show is trapped in your house needing some sort of spark of joy that tells you that we should all be brave and speak truth to power and stand up and not listen to the man and the capitalists that tell us how the bottom line is the most important thing and that we should always kiss our boyfriends in public when necessary and that Rock Hudson needed a happy ending and that the world needed a win and that I needed the scene between Holland Taylor and Joe Mantella about when she tries to tell him that they could be a couple. And that scene got me in a way that made me, that touched me a lot. And then to go on and get to be with Dylan McDermott was awesome. And I know it was pandering in a way that, you know, was trying to make people happy, but the people that it was trying to make happy are the people that should get to be happy. They're the little guy and thinking, what if we take up this mantle and what if we did it from the beginning is worth something. And it made me cry on several occasions. And look, I get that the dialogue was clunky. I understand that it was embracing this stupid 40s, you know, you got spunk, kid, and that's why I like you. <laughs> I got it. I understand the camp. But for once, I feel like Murphy also understood the camp and he contained it. He didn't, nobody got their limbs cut off. Nobody, you know, he, yes, he went big and he went campy and he went somewhat silly. But he also went happy and the good guys got the win. And I think that's worth so much right now. And it really meant something to me and my kids sitting here watching it. And it'll be my transparent finale. It's, it's something that made me happy at a time that I needed to be happy. And I want every stitch of the clothing. And I thought it was really, really what I needed. I won't say that I thought it was brilliant because whatever, but I appreciate it. And I appreciate what it gave me in the moment. And I recommend it. Nice. I thought the music was fun. And I liked the credits. Yes. Oh, the we got tired of the credits. Uh, but they're I got clever. It. I like them. The Hollywood sign. I don't need to watch it seven times. But right, right. Yes, they were cute the first time. Yes, that's what that skip intro is for. Yes, um, exactly. And yeah. if you miss it, you're really bummed. <laughs> I came down on this around how I came down on the politician, which I just I think most Murphy is not for me. And I just you know that's just a thing. I don't know. Um, I actually did think the best episode of the whole run for me, I was like, this episode feels different and better. Why is this episode so good? It was the one that Janet Mock directed. <laughs> well, Janet Mock is awesome. Yeah. So I do, again, super appreciate that he's also putting his message into actual practice. So, yes. Um, and I did like the everybody. I'm not going to go into spoilers, but the Academy Award episode did the right thing in the right places. Yeah, totally. The right people won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, I liked that they carried that the whole way. And, and this is slight spoilers, too. 
everybody gets this sort of redemption arc. Like it's a very kind show in that yes. way. That's very not like, um, you know, Ryan Murphy, I guess in a way, but including Jim Parsons. And I, that yes. part also, I did not care for. I was like, can we also just acknowledge that some gay people with power are terrible people? Like, yeah. <laughs> but he also, okay. Spoilers tune out now. If you don't want to know, Please don't go any further, but I do want to talk about this one particular part. So you've got three, two, one. You got spunk, kid. Get out of here. <laughs> um, when he said, it's boring and I hate it and I don't want to crush it. Yep. I mean, that was me. <laughs> it was great. And it's like, I'm doing the right thing because I know I need to, but I fucking hate it. So I wish John Waters would come out of retirement just to make a weird, filthy Jim Parsons vehicle. That's all I yes, want in the world. That would be great. <laughs> Maybe he could get Jim Parsons to star as Scotty Bowers in oh the real God. life uh, story of so Scotty Bowers. Apparently there's a Scotty Bowers uh, documentary, yes. which I really want to see. On Hulu. Now. Yeah. So yeah, that's, it's on Hulu. I, I believe your husband started watching it because it was up in our... Um, <laughs> Of it's a, it's on our ho- on our Hulu uh, continue watching. So nice. All right. Well, I definitely want to watch that because I thought that story that story seemed so insane and ridiculous, and I was rolling my eyes, and then I was like, "Wait, that's true? yeah, it's real. <laughs> it's super super real." That's what I was cracking up about when you were like, and then the, I was out at the gas station gigolos, and I'm like, "That was real." <laughs> I did love um, you know, Dave uh, on Facebook was sort of ranting about the show, and a friend of ours, Lynn Pitt, shout out if you're listening, Lynn, you probably aren't, but she said. You know, he said, oh, it really takes a turn in the third episode. And she says, Dave, the gas station in the first episode was called the Golden Tip. <laughs> like, what, did, right? what turn did you think it took? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Were you paying attention? <laughs> All right, Hollywood. See, we can we can agree to a disagree civilly. And, you know, I didn't. You're agree. wrong. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where can they chime in with their own thoughts on Hollywood or any of the things we've talked about. You can find us on Facebook and I know you can because somebody did. Hi, Tati. Hi, Tati. Uh, we see you. We love you. We do very, very much. Uh, you just search for the next podcast and talk to us there. I do check the inbox, obviously. Uh, you can tweet at us at the next podcast, but not at Justin because he's boycotting Twitter. You can find me at Fanny V. Darling. See you next week. Bye.